0: Alrighty. Hey, chaps. Happy Thursday. Praise God. What a time to be alive. You know, John Denver sang a song about country roads, but he didn't tell you that on those country roads, you're going to have good old boys and pickup trucks and sweet tractors. So uh, we've been a bit delayed here. Luke Bryan wrote a song about it. Tractors, plows and flashing lights backing up a two lane road. Much more. Accurate. Thank you, Luke Brian. Two first names. I hope you chaps are well. I've had a great day. Uh, frankly, I've had a wonderful, wonderful day, and uh, it's not even finished. Praise God. Been um, cruising the tweets, and uh, some some chap was uh, railing against um, corporate corporates' embrace of global homo. And, uh, how, uh, you know, a lot of businesses who just go along with the agenda and are promoting the degeneracy and all this stuff, how they're trying to be seen as the good whites when, uh, you know, will they, will they realize in time that there are no such thing as good whites? And I was like, wow, that's a really great frame. You know, it's a really great frame for us. This, uh, you know, (laughs) <laughs> in the in the sixties and seventies, there was there's no such thing as a good commie. The only good commie is a dead commie, and that's kind of the frame of this liberal clown uh, global homo agenda. Uh, is that there are no good whites. The only good white is a dead white, and you have to ask why. Like why is that the case? The the clown agenda is anti God and anti patriarch. And so, you know, you look at how the Bolsheviks operated in Russia. The kind of Leninist um, agenda, the Leninist praxeology, is to instigate a race war or a class war. Primarily a class war, but but class and race are very uh, closely linked in multicultural societies. So Leninism is the instigation of a class-race war uh, as a means to... Uh, public ownership of all industry, property, uh, and even people, right? So, so public ownership of, of property and industry, uh, whereby the population works for the government, or if they don't not, not work for the government, technically everyone works for the government in in a communist state because you're a voter and voting is important work. But, but the rest of the, the population are paid by the government, right? So you may not work for the government, but you're paid by the government. And we see this, uh, you know, through welfare and through uh, crony cronyism, you know, of, of getting your mates government projects or government, uh, what do you call them, contracts, government contracts, um, or even just inside... Inside information, you know, if you know that some huge government contract is going to go for an electric car or something like, oh, now I can place a million dollars on an electric car company, and it's like that's inside, that's working for the government. But but here's the thing, right? So so that's the Leninist, the corporatist agenda, is to be that government. The Leninist agenda is is for race war or or class war as a means to to public ownership, to government ownership of economy, property and population the the corporatist agenda is to be that government which owns the industry uh, economy property and and the people you know and we see this with um, we see this with Soros and and uh, Gates and Musk and, and all these big shot corporatists influencing policy owning uh, owning interest in lawmakers, in politicians, in media, which shapes uh, uh, the culture and the frame, they are they see themselves as the small elite governance, right, to own everything. And you see that with Amazon taking up basically a monopoly position in the economy. Um, you see that with BlackRock trying to take up a monopoly position in property, um, and and so on and so forth. So the small elite, that's corporatism. The small elite, economic elite, oligarchal elite. To be wanting to to own the Leninist praxeology of owning uh, the state. Now the problem comes in, in with the Bolsheviks is that the kulaks, which were a, a Christian middle class agrarian rural population, right? Just a bunch of your you know small scale farmers, small scale business owners who who had you know mom and pop shops, mom and pop uh, businesses that that would employ a few a few people. You know, they weren't mega corporations, they weren't mega industrial farmers, um, and they were, uh, you know, attached, attached to their communities, attached to their areas, their lands, and cared very much for, for their community and their area. That was the last kind of stumbling block in the way of the Leninists achieving their dream, you know, of, of total ownership of the state. Look at it in South Africa. South Africa has the same sort of agenda where this white middle class is standing in the way of complete nationalized black ownership of, of land and uh, and economy. So instead of buying them out at market price and allowing them to go elsewhere, you know, in, in Rhodesia, you know, instead of buying out the farmers and allowing them to move down to South Africa, it's just like, no, we're taking your stuff. And, and, and thankfully, a lot of the Rhodesians had, you know, they could just go across the border. Uh, but in South Africa, it's a captive air bubble. In America, you know, America is kind of the last, you know, this is why I'm so passionate about America. America is the last stand of the Kulak. It's the last stand of the Christian middle-class, every man, a king, every man, a patriarch uh, society, you know, where, and obviously the system is broken. Obviously there's, you know, there's a lot of clown world that goes on, but it's like America is a great place. America is a phenomenally wonderful place. It's a wonderful place to live. You know, it's, The American dream is a meme for a reason. You know, you can be the only stopping your mobility for for a vast majority of cases is your own hard work and and strategy and uh, wisdom. You know, and if you're a one-talent guy, you can be a very successful one-talent guy. And if you're a 10-talent guy, you can be a very successful 10-talent guy. Now, that's obviously not the case. Uh, You know, there are exceptions to this. The, The justice system is broken. The economy is now... Uh, you know, kind of in its death rattle, um, and so like you know now, guys are like well, property's through the roof, or uh, you know, white guys get excluded from things, or uh, you know, crime and theft and violence, and you know, so yes, all of this stuff is going on, but that doesn't discount that this is the last place on Earth, pretty much, where this this is still some somewhat a possibility uh, in certain areas, in certain ways, and so. Who is standing in the way of who are the kulaks um, in this current global homo-bolshevik agenda? It's the white Christian small middle class business owner, mom-and-pop shop business owner. Are you an independent man? Are you sovereign uh, from this global homo-elite system? You know, and this homogenizing, like, oh, the whole world's the same. Everyone can fit in anywhere. Uh, You know, consume, consume, consume. America is just an economic zone. You can bring in a million Somalis and tomorrow they're flag-waving paper Americans and everything will just carry on just fine. And it's like, no, like, I'm going to be independent from that system. Then you're a kulak. You know, you are essentially what is stopping. You're the last bulwark against this anti-God, anti-patriarchal, Leninist, corporatist agenda. And so, you know, with that, you know, I, I didn't want us to get into the the doom and gloom because a lot of guys are like, oh, Kulaks, like, you know, they're just trying to, they're just trying to gulag us again. They're just trying to holodomor us, uh, genocide us again. You know, uh, this is just Bolshevik Kulaks 2.0. And it's like, that's fine, you know, to, to, to see the map clearly. That's fine to see that. But now that we can see the map, now that we see what happened, we don't go down the same path. We don't just give in to defeat. We don't just give in to be like, oh, yep, we're just going to play this out again. It's like, no, no, no. Now that we saw how it went before, we get to now choose a different outcome. And so one of the biggest things for us to realize, you know, a lot of guys like the Kulak should have risen up in arms and they should have. And it's like, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, that was, that was perhaps the, the, the tactic for them. But for us, the, the tactics that are being used against us is institutional warfare you know we've said this thing before of of if you're if you're in, have been brought up on stories of chivalrous cavalry charges and sword fighting duels and you know chivalry and, and honor and your enemy is using poison gas and trench warfare then you're going to you're going to lose every time even though you're principled and chivalrous you're going to lose every time and so there comes a time where you you adapt to what your enemy is doing and you you figure out how can I beat them at what they are doing. And so what are our enemy doing? Our enemy is doing institutional warfare. They are weaponizing, they are subverting, capturing and weaponizing institutions against the kulaks, against the Christian middle-class family property-owning class. And obviously, race is a huge part of this because race and class in a predominantly white country, in a in a white Anglo-Germanic, Christian heritage country, your middle class through a process of building an inheritance is gonna be white. And so race and class are, are inseparable in America. And that's why they're going so hard at equity, economic injustice. Inheritance is evil. Uh, white people are evil because it's the it's the Leninist class warfare, race and class warfare, which is inseparable. And so, the way they they administer this is through the institutions, right? Academia, media, celebrity culture, school system, uh, through through corporatism in the economy. You know, how can we monopolize and gatekeep the economy? Uh, how can we buy up property? How can we uh, import? uh immigrants who will will, uh be our uh client tribes in this demographic warfare how can we promote divorce uh and how can we um buy out legislators and you know so so there's this institutional level war that is going on and so you know our gulags are not gonna be what the gulags were with the Bolsheviks We, we are we are living our gulags now we are living in an economic zone of nihilism despair grievance victimhood you know the opioid epidemic is the gulag the divorce epidemic is the gulag the suicide epidemic is the gulag like we we are we are seeing if you if you if you can see it rightly we are seeing what the enemy is doing now and we we, we're like well we've got our guns and they're not gulag gulagging us yet we, and, and we're like, chaps, we're preparing for something that's never going to come that way. And it's already come another way. And so we have to get to this point of like, okay, like that's okay. Like acceptance, right? Grief, you can grieve over it. Anger, you can be outraged and have anger over it. And then you accept it. You take a deep breath. Okay. Like, wow, that's what happened. And so now we pick up the tools of this warfare, which is institutions which is in-group preference, which is tribalism, which is, you know, one of you chaps uh, emailed me the other day with such a great term, a reverse Bezmanov. You know, Yuri Bezmanov, the, the, he was a Russian uh, special agent or, or, you know, intelligence officer, whatever, and he was involved in, in the psychological kind of tools that were used to break a, a society. And he defected to, to the, the States, I think in the, the 70s or 80s. And so he started giving um, insight into how, how Leninism works. And then what is the antidote? And the antidote is God. The antidote is excessive faith. But like science is our religion, you know, praise science. Like, you know, uh, the science is settled and all of these, you know, the science, science has to replace God. Uh, authority has to replace God. State has to replace God. Money has to replace God. So that once God is gone, then you know, there is no recourse to what is going on. Whereas for us, it's like, it, it literally is this thing of being out in the desert, you know, of, of David in the desert. I'm like, okay, like all the institutions are enemy occupied. I'm out in the desert with my 400 dudes and we've got God. You, know, you have to start from that point. You know, A lot of guys, this is where we get blackpilled is you're like, I'm just in the desert or I'm just in the prison. And I'm alone. And, you know, it's Elijah in the cave. And, and we've got to get to this point of like, no, 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 no. God is with me. God is for me. God is on my side. And that's the point at which you restart civilization. You restart tribe. You restart um, the success of your progeny, the success of our future generations. You know, we are happy warriors in the desert because God is with us. You know, there's nothing worse than, than a guy being, you know, if, if Joseph had, had become a slave and then died a death of despair or nihilism, you know, if David had gone out in the desert and be like, I'm going to die a death of despair or nihilism. It's like, no, no, no chaps. Like we have not yet even begun to fight. And now it starts because now, all right, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Rob Kulak, Boer whiteness is the same blood libel rebranded against European Christian families. Yeah. It's that, you know, when people say white supremacist or white nationalist or racist, it's just code for white person because we are the, you know, the white family, the white patriarch, patriarchal man, the white Christian, uh, white Christian families and the peace and prosperity that they create are the final barrier to the Leninist corporatist wet dream. And that's all it will remain is a wet dream because we're going to crush them. Man of law, definitely, because we are far better armed and not part of a feudal system that can't take us over in a conventional physical warfare way. It has to be covert. It is by the sin and curse of Balaam, corrupting us, using our own laws and institutions against us. Yeah. Matt, remoralize, restabilize. Renormalize. Yeah. Big time. Johan Badenhorst, Welcome, brother. The Devil and Karl Marx by Paul Kengor illustrates this point well where the state replaces God. Yeah. Uncanadian canadian the wicked flee where no one pursues. If God is for me, then no one needs shrink back. Yeah. That's the attitude we've got to have. Some collapses. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, you know, here, here's the thing as well. Realism is not blackmailing. You know, so realism is what's the map? And it might be bad news. It's like, give it to me straight, doctor. It's like, you had it. You've got it, Jim. And it's like, okay, like now we can go forward because now if we have a diagnosis, we can seek a prescription. A black pill is you're going to die and you can do no, nothing about it. That's black pill, right? So if the diagnosis is society is going to crumble and the prescription is you need to survive the fallout. Okay, we've got a prescription. So let's get joyful and frickin' crush at it. How do we survive? You know, you get married, you have a family, you move. To a place where there's going to be a critical mass of us, where you're not alone and, and get eaten alone. You know, none of us want to die alone, chaps. That's one of our biggest things. It's like, yeah, I would speak out, but I don't want to die alone. You know, we, we want three or four mates to plant a flag on a hill and die with, die together. And it's like, yeah, then I'm willing to do some stuff. And it's like, and then once you're all together and you, you're crushing and life is great and you're building a community that you're gatekeeping clowns from, there's a place where like, oh, wait, we don't have to die we're actually building and we're alive, you know, and God is for us and we're crushing and there's institutional protections for us. Uh, We are not dependent on other institutions to gatekeep us or, or discipline us. You know, we, we're not, we're not dependent on the food and water and energy system. We're not dependent on the police and justice system. We're not dependent on the media and academia system. We're not dependent on someone else paying me and, and making sure I can eat and, and survive. Like, Chaps, this is life. It's neo-Amish, right? The Amish are not black-pilled. The Amish are not out there going like, oh, God, everything's terrible and, you know, listening to freaking uh, doom posting. The Amish are out there freaking, you know, there's Jacob, the in-disguise S.S. officer, freaking having 18 children and crushing his farm and raising barns and racing buggies and churning butter. I need to play Will Yankovic's Amish Paradise. I feel like it's a, it's a great soundtrack for what we're attempting. Matt, we're back. We sure are. <clears throat> Johan, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's it, man. You know, and by humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. And it's like, Lord, you know, we, we humble ourselves before you. We're not wretches who are condemned and we're not dudes who have to do it all on our own strength like you know, I'm not above God. I'm not below God. I am the Son of God. You know, I am a king that Jesus Christ is king of, and we're going to go crush. That's humility. You know, and then fear of the Lord. I don't fear man. I don't fear these institutions. I don't fear these clowns. Like God is on our side, Lord. What are you? What are you telling me to do? What have you put on my heart to do? What are the dreams in my heart? What are the the hunches and the inclinations of like I should probably do this? That's what I'm going to go do to the glory of God. So good. So let's get into this thing of of institutions. Japs, this neo Amish this neo-amish white pill kulak boy summer you know i think i think it, the key is like yes be armed yes we want to be we want to have that baseline of like yeah if stuff does go down like sure that's fine but that's the that's the that's the end game you know the end game is always to pick up a the end game in politics is always to pick up a rifle that's fine but first you do the politics first you do the institution building first you do the peaceful long game, generational, hard grind. And so for us, you know, negative and positive institutions, negative institutions are, are me focused. It's things I don't have to fight people for. It's things I don't have to uh, ask permission for getting married to a virtuous woman and then being a patriarch. Right? I say this all the time. I grew up very liberal effeminate. My wife grew up very liberal uh, feminist and it's like, okay, like we are not, you know, she was a Christian girl. I was a Christian guy, like great marriage. Wonderful. And it's like, then your eyes come in like, oh my gosh, like God's ways are not the world's ways. We have to learn how to be married. We have to learn how to be a patriarch. We have to learn how to, you know, so it's, it's, it's not enough just to be like, oh yeah, guys. You know, it, I hear it all the time, you know, with pastors, they're like, they'll, they'll, they'll describe a problem. And then they'll be like, don't do it. Or like, do it. And it's like, yeah, how, how? How do we do it? Like give us practical stories and stuff like that. And so like, I think that's the, for me is like getting married, you know, it's not just, Oh, go find a virtuous girl and get married. It's like, no, no, no. Like I realize there's a lot of, there's a lot of practical stuff around that. But what I want to say is we have to see marriage as an, as an institution with institutional power. Um, and then we have to see children as a blessing and a weapon. You know, the Bible talks about children being arrows in the hands of a warrior. You're the warrior. Children are a, a a weapon, we launch them into the future long game, you know, it's basically replicating you. You know, I, I I think this all the time. It's like, man, if there were 10 of me based, like you should be thinking that about yourself. Like there were 10 of me, I'll do anything for you. Jesus. It's like, well, now there's 10 of you doing that. Like, you know, it's, that's the power of children, you know, it's not this. Oh yeah. I just pray my children will do anything, you know, just whatever makes them happy. You know, it's nice, just nice to have children. It's like, no, children are a weapon. Children are mini me. And I'm raising them up in the way that they should go. And they're going to go there as a weapon. It's an institution. family's an institution. And then, you know, you, you start thinking clan wise. You know, we were, we were laughing the other day about the Hatfields and the McCoys. But you literally, like, we, we need to also see family as this clan vibe. You know, like I'm a godfather of some Anglo white boy Kulak mafia. You know, it's like, that's the way you start operating, you know, cause we're in a war. You don't retire from a war. You don't just be like, Oh, whatever my kids want in a war, you know? Oh, just, you know, it's like, no, no, no. We're in a cultural war. We're in an institutional war. I don't let my children just be thrown to the walls. I don't let my wife just be thrown to the wolves. I don't just let my friends, my church, whatever, just be thrown to the wolves. It's like, chaps, open your eyes. Bombardment incoming. Open your eyes, you're you're in a death tangle with an institution. I see it over there. Open your eyes, you're letting that institution into your life. You know, so so there's a lot of negative institutions of like things we don't have to fight other people for. Don't have, if you guys have children, don't don't have them in, in public school. You know, a lot of guys are like, ah oh, man, I don't really see the big deal with this. And it's like, you're literally the the standard of, and a lot of guys are like, my wife's a teacher, she's great. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. Your wife's the exception. She's not the norm. The norm is 23-year-old girls who are in a in a frat party getting banged by a hundred dudes who think evolution is real and who think God is mean and that woman can do everything better than men can and she wants to be a boss babe. And now she's teaching your child who you know she hates her dad because this she hates your child's dad, you, because you're a patriarch. You're a mean bigoted, racist, white man. And it's like, that's what public school is, you know? And it's like, sure, there's exceptions, you know? Sure, there's there's exceptions to that. I'm just saying, like, that's a, a negative institution you control. You control your child's access to that institution or not. Same with having a TV. You control what is pumped, what crap is pumped into your basement. And then same, you know, same with, with growing your own food or, or having energy uh, or water. Uh, waste management, all of that kind of stuff, the more sovereignty you have, the more negative institutional power you have, the more ability, you know, having your own job, your own business, your own trade or skill or product or service that you're selling. The more negative institutional power you have, the less others can control you and can, can force you to do their will. Then positive institutions are ones we have to fight people for. Positive institutions are the ones we have to either capture or copy and then use to fight against the other institutions in that domain. And so this is something like, you know, if you don't want a homeschool, well then creating a private school or a homeschool co-op, or, you know, like you're going to build an educational institution, you know, building uh, a media house, building a business, building something into an industry that is politicized, you know, small mom and pop shop businesses. It's not yet politicized, but the moment you start getting into corporation, big corporation level stuff, Stuff starts becoming politicized, and it's like, okay, we're gonna fight on that realm: industry, um, NGOs, charities, uh, you know, all of this kind of stuff. It's it's institutions you have to either capture or copy, and then uh, you know, government as well, uh, applying for bureaucratic offices, running for elected offices. Very important, you know, in your local area, because those are those are positions that you're fighting someone else for, and you know, a lot of guys are like, I don't know if I'd be the best guy, or and it's like, have you got a passion for it? Go do it. Because, you know, it's that whole thing of like, is it our guys or is it it their guys? Friend, enemy. And you'd rather have a friend who's incompetent but is not going to kill you than an enemy who's competent but wants to kill you. We have to start thinking about that. Uh, And then obviously ministry. You know, churches are an institution. They are a moral authority, a framework in the society. And the left, their institutions, they love gatekeeping and tribalism. You know, if if you have a Confederate flag, they will condemn you from the stage, you know, you go to a conservative church and they're like, guys, we've just got to love everybody. We've got to love the little liberals. Like, you know, guys, we can't condemn them. We can't, you know, shame them. Like we've just got to let them come here. and We've got to love them guys. You've got to give them access to your home, access to your children, access to your bank account. Like we've got to love them guys. And then they end up subverting your institution and and killing, killing everything you have. It's like, we want, we want Men in the ministry domain who are going to gatekeep against clowns, who are going to raise up a standard and be like, we're not going to look like the world. We're not going to bow to the fear of man, bow to the idols of man. You know, you can tell what the idols of culture are if you're afraid of speaking it. Political correctness is idol guarding. You know, so if you're afraid to talk about race, afraid to talk about gender roles, afraid to talk about Christians having wealth, afraid to talk about. Uh, institutional warfare, you know, like, oh my gosh, like I'm about to hit an idol. And so that's where we get this, this uh, kind of thing with the reverse Besman of, of like, we need to be, we need to be like obnoxiously Christian, obnoxiously Bible worldview, obnoxiously uh, patriarchal and dominionist, you know, in in the media and the, and the ministry domain, you know, because that's like, we should be, you know, even in your gyms and things, it's like, can I put, you know, that's why I love what the tradcasts and the Orthodox guys, like their iconography, their memeography of like, you know, having like swole muscle Jesus in a, in a hood, like, and putting his icon up in your, in your, uh, local gym. It's like based, based, come on. Like, that's great. You know, you're pushing religion. you I use the word religion, but you're pushing faith. In God, you're pushing the supremacy of God the Father into every sphere, you know? At your business, man, I love the Hindus in South Africa, the Indians, or even here in, in America, you go into any gas station and like you walk in and there's the shrine to there. Like, you know, my favorite was Pubi Naidu's, the sports shop in Peter Marisburg where I'd get all my sports equipment as a, as a young boy. You walk in and there would be this picture of Pubi, who was the family patriarch in his orange robes and his flowers around his neck and his, his you know, And it's a shrine. It's like, this is our faith and it permeates our business. And it's like, yeah, good for you guys. Based, you know, it's like, but we need to get that way as Christians of taking our faith to almost meme levels of taking our faith to almost obnoxious levels. We're not going to be politically interchangeable, amorphous units that can be just, just be changed and dropped into any culture or any place. It's like, no, we're Anglo Germanic. Whatever your, whatever your heritage is, you guys could be any, you know, you could even be black or Hispanic or Asian and watching this because God loves the nations. So whatever nation you are, be fully that nation. You're not some amorphous economic unit. You're, you are, you know, you are the, whatever God made you to be, be that with full authenticity, with full faith of reconnecting with your heritage and being a Christian. You know, so for me, it's like, I'm an Anglo Christian man, I don't just interchange. I don't just amorphously economic zone It's like, no, 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 I am who I am because this is who God has made me. This is the heritage I've inherited. And so the operating system is different. The operating system runs the hardware of African Anglo, bro. Praise God. And inshallah. All right, let's carry on. Rob, children, family, the clan, the tribe are all weapons if we keep each other as kinsmen redeemers. Yeah. You know, and it's hard, man. It's hard work. It's, it's giving up the idea of the individual. You know, we've been memed into the individual is everything. You know, girls especially have been memed. into like, Oh, if I get married, I, I lost myself. I don't know who I am anymore. I need to find out who I am. Sex in the city. It's like, no, you are your father's daughter. No, you are your husband's wife. And same with guys. You know, we've been individualized into this like libertarian thing of like, you know, it's, it's, we have to die to ourselves and live to patriarchy, live to dominion, live to tribe. My aim right now is just getting out of these soul crushing degenerate cities. Yeah. And it's a good aim, brother. Long, long may, may God help you, you know? And I think that's it. It's putting our desire before God of like, Lord, here's the plan in my heart. I'm going to start taking steps and trust you to direct me. You know, cause a lot of guys, you know, we don't have, we don't have the resources, or the relationships, and so we're like, I don't know how to do it, and it's like, start stepping, chaps, you know, start making plans, start going hard after what you have faith for, and God will God will help you, UnCanadian Canadian, based meme obnoxiousness, yeah, let's go build an ark in Kentucky, yeah, you know, exactly, those dudes are based, it's like, how can we be Christian and obnoxious about it, it's like, and again, not in a, not, you know, because here's the problem with, with obnoxiousness that's not toward a mission, Obnoxiousness for obnoxiousness sake is obnoxious. Obnoxiousness towards a mission is inspiring. Drongo, I'm a big fan of the enormous painting of the Thai royal family at my local Thai food. It's huge. Dude, exactly. It's like these guys are like, it's endearing. It's endearing. You walk in, you're like, these Thais are being authentically Thai. They love their king. They love their people. They love their place. And so let's learn from them. Like we need our own sweet based murals of like our great men, you know, and, and it's like I think there's this, you know, our gyms should be like just full of our based great men. And it's like, I'm lifting for you, Wellington. You know, <laughs> it's like whatever, whoever you're based, Anglo, you know, and it's like we need to start finding the stories of our great men. You know, who are the great men of your heritage? We need to be bathing our mindset in that, you know. And even biblical stories, you know, it's like we need to be bathing ourselves in the the mindset that got David to where he was, that got Abraham to where he was, that got Joseph to where he was, because that's where we are. We are in biblical times, you know, so many for the last, whatever, 30 years, it's like, yeah, I'm comfortable and, you know, material world is great. We don't need Christianity. These Bible stories don't apply. Like, this doesn't make sense. It's like, does it make sense now? It's like biblical times. Alright and then rhetorical messaging. You know, we spoke yesterday about rhetoric and dialectic, rhetoric and dialectic. But the rhetorical war that the Bolsheviks won on the kulaks, they told all the low class, which in America would be the minorities. You know, are they the lower class? No, but they've, they've, insti- the lower, the blacks, the immigrants are institutionally owned by the left. They're institutionally controlled by the left in this country. And so they are fed stories. They are fed a narrative. They are fed rhetoric that the kulaks are evil, right? So that's what the Bolsheviks did to the the underclass. They're like, these mom and pop business owners, these mom and pop farmers, these good old boy, rural, John Deere driving kulaks are evil. They own the land so you can't. They stole this land so you can't. They own the grain and the the jobs so you – like. And, and envy and jealousy. And they, they stir up this rage and anger at the inequality of this middle class. And so they went and murdered them and took their stuff. That's what's happening here is this rhetoric is that the whites are evil. There is no such thing as a good white. The only good white is a dead white. Because they want to just keep the black man down. They want to just, they just want to, They are just so racist and evil Uh, we, you know, that's the rhetoric, right? So we have to have our own rhetoric. We have to, again, fight, fight how they are fighting. If they use poison gas, it's no use cavalry charging. You shoot poison gas back. And so our rhetoric is that, you know, we have to start using this friend enemy distinction, this good evil distinction. Our enemies are evil. The corporatists are evil. The media are evil. Academia is evil. The teachers who are teaching all this, the status garbage are evil. The, the government officials, the, the bureaucracy who are, are pushing all this stuff are evil. You have to literally start framing them how they frame you. Because if all the normies who are just watching on, if these guys are all like, they're evil. And then we're like, well, you're just incompetent. It's like, Okay, we're gonna kill the evil guys, not the incompetent guys. We're gonna we we're fine with the evil guys being killed, uh, but but the incompetent guys, like shame, they're just incompetent. So why would you shoot at them? Why would you fight back at them? Like no, stop it, guys. They're just incompetent. No, the framing is evil. The framing is is grievance peddlers. The framing is you hate the Christian family. The framing is you hate children. You hate marriage. You hate strong men of any. You hate. Families of any color, strong men of any color, because it's against your agenda, which is evil. Like, you, we have to understand the rhetorical game. And anytime you're around normies who are like, oh, yeah, man, you know, the Democrats are just, in- oh, Joe Biden's just incompetent. You know, the Democrats are just incompetent. Can't believe they're so It's like, no, no, no. Like, correct them. No, they're evil. And they're like, "Jeez, bro, cool it. They're not evil. They're just, it's like, no, they want you dead. They want the Christian family gone. They want children sodomized and gently mutilated. That's policy. So we we need to get into this, this, this rhetorical game at their level. And it, and it feels icky, right? Because for us, we're like, Ooh, if I make a rhetorical statement, that means I'm accusing someone of something. That means there could be conflict. Yes. We want institutional conflict. It's, it's, We've had their institutions just fighting us this whole time and we've never fought back. And so now, but if I fight back, that means we're fighting. Yes. You know, that's the mindset we have to start adapting ad- is negative institutional power, Amish mindset. I am, I am insulating my whole life from clown world. And then positive institutional mindset. I'm rhetorically picking up these weapons and we're going to go and take ground in economy, go take ground in governance, go take ground in media and go take ground in ministry. We're not going to, we're not going to just fold and accept the beating anymore. You know, I say this all the time. It's like, you know, guys who are, are super blackpilled on the white, uh, on the racial grievance against white people. They're like, this is terrible. We need to go and fight, and, you know, like physically go and, and fight the, the banking Americans or fight the grievance Americans. And it's like, no. Our war is not against flesh and blood normies. All this anti-white crap stops when we stop accepting it. When we stop going, oh yes, punish me, please. It's like, no, I will not be punished. I will not accept blame for things I have no authority to fix. I will not accept the framing that you're pushing on me. No, that's when all of this stuff stops because they're like, it's not working anymore. "But, But you're racist. And it's like, yeah, don't care. Because it, it doesn't control me anymore but but, but you're a Nazi, you're an anti sima it's like, don't care it doesn't control me anymore and that's when their their weapons start failing and our weapons start to, we start shooting back we start fighting back institutionally you know it's when we stop accepting the punishment it's when we stop accepting the garbage into our life we stop accepting the surge being pumped into our basement and we we start we start actually going hard the other way. Praise God. Yeah, all righty, chaps. Well, I I think that was fun. Kulak boy summer. White boy summer. It's getting hot. Let me tell you. The Bolsheviks are sweating. Yeah, they're sweating like pigs, those chaps. Let me tell you. Uh, There's there's something going on here. The kulaks aren't lying down and taking it anymore. You know what I'm saying? Righty, boys. Love you. May the Lord bless you. Have a great night. And uh, get your hopes up. uh, Crushing in the desert out there. And we'll see you all tomorrow.